This is the Dan Wooten Uncancelled Podcast. Let's go. But it's time now for Uncancelled. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, after trans swimmer Leah Thomas wiped the floor with her female competitors at the weekend, the woke world must wake up and see how perilously close women's sport is to being eradicated. The 22-year-old University of Pennsylvania swimmer became the first transgender athlete to win the NCAA title in the women's 500-yard freestyle, going from 554th in the event as a man to first as a woman. Well, Politicians in the U.S. aren't standing for this nonsense. Our Florida Governor Ron DeSantis refused to recognize the winner and has signed a proclamation acknowledging the runner-up Emma Wayan. She's an Olympic silver medalist as the winner. And has Boris Johnson been listening? Because I was very taken by the Prime Minister actually taking a stand for women today at PMQs. Let's recognize that when people uh, make a, uh, want to make a transition in their lives that they should be treated with the maximum possible generosity and, and respect. And we have systems in this country uh, that uh, allow that for a, and have done for a long time. We should be very proud of it. But I, I, just do, I do want to say in addition, Mr Speaker, that I think when it comes uh, to uh, distinguishing between uh, a man and a woman, uh, that the basic facts of, of biology remain overwhelmingly important, Mr Speaker. So, so, Rod Little, do, do you think Boris is taking notes uh, from Ron DeSantis about diving headfirst into these culture war issues? Because it's certainly not something I would have thought Boris, you know, who's been promoting Stonewall and organisations like that, would have said even just a few months ago. No, the Conservative Party has been very, very slow on this issue. It has started doing a few more things recently. Uh, and I think possibly... Possibly like me, Boris maybe has a little bit of a Ron DeSantis boy crush, uh, because I do at the moment. He, he seems saying exactly the right kind of things, almost as much as I've had a crush, incidentally, on uh, John Sargent, who it's wonderful to see on your programme tonight, uh, a, a great colleague and uh, a brilliant journalist. Uh, no, I think it's very, very interesting. I, I looked at what happened with uh, uh, DeSantis's comments. Uh, it was reported in The Guardian, for example, and I tried to look below the line of the Guardian to see what the uh, uh, what ordinary people were saying about this, and the comments have been turned off, which is usually, usually mm. with the Guardian a good indication as to what's going on. Um, so I had a look at the Times, uh, and the Times probably at the moment, along with the Guardian, our most liberal morning newspaper, uh, easily uh, uh, very very socially liberal indeed. Uh, and I say this as someone who works for the Times. Uh, and the comments underneath the line on this story about uh, Leah Thomas and uh, Emma Wayand were 98% in favour of what Ron DeSantis said. Now, this is Ron DeSantis, a right-wing Republican in Florida uh, and a possible presidential candidate next time around, but someone who, on social issues, is probably not far to the left of Donald Trump, uh, possibly even further to the right than Donald Trump on social issues. Mm. And this is this is the thing which gets me, Dan, that nobody believes in this rubbish. Nobody yeah. believes in it. Keir Starmer and uh, uh, various other members of the Labour Party may find it difficult to enunciate what a woman is, but no one else in the country has any difficulty. It is only these li liberal and elite institutions which impose this stuff totally against the views 
of what it seems to me is the vast, vast majority of this country. I think if you took an opinion poll, and I've actually asked a couple of uh, of, uh, of opinion poll uh, uh, companies to do this very, very poll, uh, but they won't do it because they're scared of what the result will be, which is, you know, has someone who's transitioned become actually a woman or are they still basically a man? Uh, you know, as you look at the picture of Leah Thomas, and you can probably tell without 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 any further judgment. And my suspicion is that again, it's round about ninety percent who would say, "Look, we want transgender people to have decent lives with equality, without discrimination, with fairness, and with justice and with dignity." But a man who transitions into being a woman is not actually a woman. And that's the simple fact, which I think nine-tenths of this country agree with, and probably even more in America. And that's why I think the DeSantis thing is, is interesting. Much as, you know, I have to say, Dan, uh, two weeks ago, uh, uh, he is the same man, the same state, uh, which was uh, deciding that children under the age of eight, eight, eight years mm. old, uh, shouldn't be subjected to uh, the usual educational propaganda about gender alignment in school. And I suspect the vast majority of the country, again, agrees with that. Mm. But he's now, he's now at stuff. war with he's Disney over that, Rod, isn't he? With Disney employees walking out yeah. over it. But look, I just, I, I just want to um, pick up specifically on what you're talking about with Leah Thomas, because it, again, it's something that we're not allowed to say. But I was very taken, Rod, to read an interview with one of Leah Thomas's uh, fellow swimmers who, who's on the same swim team as her. And I thought this was a very brave and telling interview that she gave to the Daily Mail in the US anonymously, of course, because if she was named, she would lose her place in the team. And Rod, she said that every single female uh, swimmer in the team, and there's 34 of them alongside Leah Thomas, feels incredibly uncomfortable because Leah still has male genitals. And often these male <laughs> genitals are on display in the changing rooms. And again, that's something we're not meant to talk about. But to me, that isn't someone who has transitioned from being... Uh, 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 no, uh, no, I, uh, I understand they're substantially larger than my own genitals, and you know I, I've always been quite proud of them. Uh, but but that, uh, that's I suppose largely beside the point. The real point is that even if Leah Thomas had had her penis whipped off mm. uh, and put in a box somewhere, uh, no matter what, no matter how much testosterone work had been yeah, done yeah, yeah. On, on, on on Leah, no, indeed. The musculature, uh, the formation of bones, uh, the level of testosterone even after treatment makes it totally unfair that Leah Thomas should be competing against Indeed. And so, Rod, just finally, I just want to ask you about this report from the Daily Telegraph today who reveal that the Commonwealth Games this year look like they're going to allow a trans woman cyclist to compete for the female medal. So our own sporting organisations not learning from this. No, but, but this, this is a point, Dan, that all of this is led not from the bottom up, but from the top down. All of these uh, elite organisations, these uh, parts of our establishment, 
are trying to outdo each other uh, with with kind of brownie points for being woker than thou. And they are lagging way, way behind the general public on these issues. And it's it's a real problem. And, you know, I think it's probably about time that our government got to grips with it a bit. We're be, it's beginning to show signs of kickback with the... With the uh, yeah, well, that's why I was happy to see that from Boris Johnson today. Rod, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but we're, we're, we're pressed for time. But fascinating yeah. analysis as ever, Rod Little, and we'll speak again next week. Thank you so much, Rod. It's time now for Big Witty Style with Anne Whittacombe. As entire, a, an entire UK suburb uh, is facing being erased from the map in the latest piece of woke madness. Tulse Hill in South London is at risk of losing its moniker because it descends from Sir Henry Tulse, a Lord Mayor of London from the 17th century with links to the slave trade. Now, Lambeth Borough Council suggested the change in a questionnaire asking residents where the problematic street name should be axed. But Conservative Party Chairman Oliver Dowden criticised the Labour-led Council for spending public money on what he called a vanity project. Anne Whittakim, this is complete madness, isn't it? And I blame uh, Sadiq Khan for this because he's the one offering six-figure sums to these councils to do this sort of bonkers survey. I don't think it even needs Sadiq Khan to blame. I mean, I think, you know, that we just have a general madness now uh, that's loose. I'm waiting for the day uh, when the RSPCA says uh, we should eschew any memorials to our ancestors who were cruel to woolly mammoths. You know, we've got to that stupid stage. And the idea that 300 years ago or 400 years ago, they would have the same degree of moral and empathetic development that we've got now is ignorant. I mean, it is nothing short of ignorant. And yet they're going to spend oodles of money trying to pretend that this chat never existed. It's insane, isn't it? I often think we're going to be tearing down statues in a couple of hundred years' time of, of Nelson Mandela and, and uh, Winston Churchill because they ate meat, and probably. But... As it stands, we have to stand up to this, right? Because what this council is trying to do is not just rename uh, the entire suburb, but also lots of street names as well. And it's just practical. Uh, it's just practical, practically nonsensical. Well, I don't want to hear from any of these councils uh, that they're short of money and that the government should be giving them more when they are spending it on nonsense like this. First of all, on surveys to see if people want to change the name, then on the very uh, expensive business of actually changing the name. Because, of course, it doesn't just mean going out and hammering in uh, a, a new nameplate. It means a huge amount of administration, maps and everything else. Uh, and uh, it is so unnecessary at a time uh, when the country is facing uh, severe economic difficulties through no fault of its own. And you really wonder you know, where their priorities are. Well, indeed. And it's a more fundamental question, isn't it, Anne? Because fundamentally, if we start going down this path, it never ends. It never ends. We just must embrace our history, learn from our history. And that surely has to be almost, I think, a mission statement uh, for this Conservative Party. 
Well, indeed. I mean, you know, we should learn from our history. The fact is that the British Empire got some things absolutely right, uh, were very humane, introduced medicine and education and roads and goodness knows what else where there weren't any before, uh, did all of that, and it also did some bad things. But history is about making an impartial assessment. It's not about bringing a bias to it and saying, well, anything that doesn't actually tick these boxes is bad and anything that does is good, uh, that is totally simplistic. Uh, and indeed was the sort of approach to history that was lampooned in 1066 and all that, which, of course, is a bit of a foreign thing to the modern generation, uh, but was basically a, a skit on history and worth was something a good thing or a bad thing, you know, capital G, capital D. Uh, and that is now the approach we've got. And it is so stupid because you can't expect our ancestors. I mean, our ancestors boiled people in oil. They burnt people at the stake. Uh, they had a completely different development of empathy from where we are hundreds of years later. And so that should be. I mean... History is about the growth of human beings as human beings, not just a procession of events. Couldn't have put it better myself. Anne Whittacombe, thank you so much. We'll speak next weekend. Rishi Sunak splashed the cash today as he unveiled his mini-budget in a bid to tackle the crippling cost-of-living crisis. He raised the national insurance threshold by £3,000 and slashed 5p off fuel duty. But the rabbit out of the hat was finally an actual Tory income tax cut. A clear goal for Conservative chancellors and even some Labour ones has been to cut income tax. It would clearly be irresponsible to meet this ambition this year. And yet, I refuse to let that ambition wither and drift. I can confirm, before the end of this Parliament, in 2024, for the first time in 16 years, the basic rate of income tax will be cut from 20 to 19 pence in the pound. But while he may boast of cutting taxes, let's not forget this supposedly Thatcherite Chancellor has led Brits to the highest tax burden in 70 years. Well, my next guest was the last Tory Chancellor to dare to cut the income tax rate back in uh, 1996, 25 years ago. Lord Ken Clark joins me now. And uh, Ken, you cut it a bit more than 1p, right? Uh, yeah, but I raised other taxes as well because I was getting us out of a recession and to growth with low inflation. Uh, but yeah, I set a target of 20p for basic rate of income tax. Uh, I think it's very reckless to commit yourself to an income tax cut two years ahead. It, we've no idea. I've never known such uncertainty in the outlook in this economic crisis. So you don't think you should? Have, you don't think Rishi should have made that? I don't think he should have done it. It was just announced, you know, two years in advance at the end to get a good rousing ending and get the order papers waived. Uh, it means if you cut out any other tax changes, tax cuts, you know, maybe spending you won't be able to embark on because you now have to deliver this penny. And there's nothing wrong with a 20 pence rate of income tax. It was not the highest priority except for publicity reasons. So, and I was quite, quite, I thought that was a quite reckless thing to do to announce that just to be able to end with a flourish because he won't succeed in getting a good press. Uh, no, what he had to do. No, because 
when you look at the facts, even though Rishi wants this to look like a tax-cutting statement today, the reality is, as I just said, the tax burden is higher than it's been for 70 yeah, years. And, and I, you see, I defend him for that. It has to be the high. We have to be uh, raised taxes when he did, and he's raised taxes uh, more because than of COVID. Adjusted. Well, we've been hit by three things: a hard Brexit, COVID, and now the, the Russian sanctions because of Ukraine. Uh, the last two aren't even the government's fault, uh, particularly. Uh, and uh, he quite rightly spent huge amounts of money on the furlough scheme, mm -hmm. which rescued the economy from total collapse at the time of lockdown. And he's had to spend huge amounts of money on the NHS and on eventually on social care uh, because of COVID. But did he have to spend all that money? Wasn't the furlough scheme by the end actually quite reckless. It was always inevitable that we were going to end up in this financial hellscape. No, I, I think if we hadn't we hadn't had the furlough scheme, uh, the economy would have hit the buffers in a big way, uh, and I, I think it would have been deeper. Uh, the, the, the recession we had, and it would be longer to come out of it. Uh, a furlough scheme was the most successful thing, in my opinion, that Rishi has done. But he shouldn't, as you're quite right, he should be frank with the public. Mm. These are hard times. Living standards for most of us are going to fall in, in a way they haven't for about 50 years. Uh, and and he, he must, above all, make sure the present crisis doesn't turn into a recession uh, and doesn't turn into stagflation. And how does he do the that? Day by continuing to run the economy prudently, uh, and by continuing to do what he can to stimulate growth with lower inflation, the Bank of England's finally getting its finger out and doing what it can, uh, and also to boost productivity and skills training. One of the best things in the whole statement, nobody will notice it when we mentioned it in the papers in the morning, was he's deciding to do something about skills training and vocational training and accepts that the apprenticeship levy hasn't worked. Mm. Now, that seems like an irrelevance, even when I raise it now. In fact, until we get a healthy economy with rising productivity and more vocational training in this country, we will be in trouble. So meanwhile, so just trying to present all these things as kind of giveaways and a tax-cutting statement of things when it, it wasn't really, uh, you mm. know, is, is missing the point. It, these are Yeah, I think he got, he, he got the tone wrong. It was celebratory today. Uh, the Tory backbenchers loved it. But in fact, I think it could backfire on him, especially given, by the way, this is a man we know with major political ambitions. He also is, a, is actually, amongst the ministers, one of the more serious, one of the more sensible... He does take a medium long-term interest. He isn't usually obsessed with tomorrow's newspapers. And he must realise his main job, and he must tell his prime minister, that the main thing he can do for the prime minister is to avoid, as I've already said, a recession before the next election. And mm. you should spell out to people that these are grave times. And he, he, he could not have spent all the money he had to mm. spend uh, when, when the lockdown came, when the economy collapsed, and that, that, that uh, without our having to pay for it what, to a certain extent. What, what do you make of the reports of tension at the moment between Number 10 and Number 11? There are always tensions between Number 10 and Number 11. There can't be a Prime Minister who hasn't got irritated with his Chancellor from time to time. Prime Ministers have to be intensely political. 
and they're trying to keep the popularity of their government going. The, the job of the chancellor is to be the responsible one who explains we can't do mm. that. And the long, t- you know, the medium term like national interest means that we have to keep debt under control. We have to be able to service it. Uh, I mean, John Major and I remain great friends. We never really fell out. Uh, but I knew that what I had to, what I delivered, I'm glad to say, was growth you had to low keep in check inflation. Sometimes. And the little populist things, uh, I, I was responsible for interest rates in those days. You know, I did have to put up interest rates at times, which used to absolutely send the Prime Minister into despair. But, but yes. we, we, if you have the, your job as Chancellor is, is to take the fact you have to do tough, unpopular things and do mm. your best to explain them. And Rishi is normally good at that. And the, the, the balance as a whole remained responsible. He's, he's, got, he's had a lot of tax increases. He's, his revenues are higher than he expected because inflation is giving him more tax. He spent some of it in trying to ease the burden for the public. He should have concentrated more on the less well-on public, but he kept some of it back in order to keep debt coming down back to a level we can afford because higher interest rates are going to make the cost of servicing that debt quite enormous. He's got to keep the debt under control. So overall, actually, he was more responsible than we're making him sound. But the, the way he presented, he, he should have been more candid than he presented it and made it clear this was a national crisis in which he was I agree a responsible with that. Uh, finally, I just want to ask you about the raw politics of Rishi's position, because you know how difficult it is for a chancellor to move in to the top job, which is something that Rishi certainly wants to do. Do you think, given what he's facing, given this unprecedented cost of living crisis over the next two years, that there's any chance that Rishi Sunak becomes the next prime minister? I think there is a chance, yes. But without repeating myself, he won't get there just by doing short-term populist things. In fact, he might get credit with hindsight if the tough, difficult decisions are seen to work and save us from disaster. He is one of those ministers, and it's not every minister in this government, who takes the job seriously. He's up to the job, he's competent, he's responsible. Stop throwing in the end promises of tax, uh, income tax cuts in two years' time just think because you think it'll make the whole statement and make you more popular. Chance, he'll be leader if he retains the ability to look as though he's actually competent to govern and the results he delivers are right. Stop bothering about ups and downs and the, your personal standings in the polls from day to day. Very good advice from a former Chancellor, Lord Ken Clark. A pleasure to have you here. Ken, thank you so much. Dan Wooten here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wilson tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.